For a brief moment, I abandon you, but with great mercy, I will bring you back. In an outburst of rage, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting love, I have consoled you, says your Redeemer, the Lord. These are like the days of Noah for me, when I promised that Noah's waters would never again cover the earth. Likewise, I promise not to rage against you or rebuke you. The mountains may shift and the hills may be shaken, but my faithful love won't shift from you, and my covenant of peace won't be shaken, says the Lord, the one who pities you. Suffering one, storm-tossed, uncomforted, look, I am setting your gemstones in silvery metal and your foundations with sapphires. I will make your towers of rubies and your gates of beryl and all your walls of precious jewels. All your children will be disciples of the Lord. I will make peace abound for your children. You will, be a fir- you will be firmly founded in righteousness. You will stay far from oppression because you won't fear, far from terror because it won't come near you. Our hearts and my oh, may God add a blessing to the reading and hearing and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Amen. When was the last time that you were at peace? Was it a stress-free day? Was it sitting and watching the sunrise or sunset when you were on your last vacation? You know, peace is something that we all strive for, but it seems to just run through our hands like we're trying to hold water. Uh, we were in our last week of the sermon series called Becoming Resilient where we have been looking at four words that were used in the Hebrew and throughout scriptures to help uh, the community become resilient, to help the community bounce back from things in their life that cause trouble. And today, we're looking at the word shalom. Now, in English, we translate this word shalom as peace. And just like the other words we've looked at, the English language uh, doesn't have the best word to describe what shalom means. So we go with the word peace. Shalom takes a completely different look at having peace than our English word Peace. For example, uh, peace in the English usually means the absence of conflict. Uh, we're at about the 20-year anniversary of the end of the conflict in Iraq where President uh, George W. Bush, and I can't remember which aircraft carrier, announced that we were at peace, we were no longer at war. And I was listening to an interview with someone who was in their 20s and who was an Iraqi citizen, and he was talking about how that announcement was strange to him because when he would walk out into the streets, there would be tanks and soldiers all around. Well, we weren't in conflict anymore, but, but they were definitely not at peace. Shalom means making things whole. Now, the word shalom, the root word of that is is shalam. And shalam has this idea of making things right. Setting things anew. And and in the Hebrew, the words translated as well-being, well, 
or in good health are all translated as shalom. Shalom is a peace not only with enemies, but also with oneself, with one's body, with one's family, even with one's economic situation. Those who have shalom have God's blessing. Uh, if you go to Israel today, you will, you will see them pass by in the street and use the greeting of shalom, literally meaning may you be healthy and prosper. Shalom can be used as a hello or a goodbye. We're getting ready to go on our trip to Costa Rica. And in Costa Rica, they have a similar phrase called pura vida, which means good health, good vibes, have peace. Uh, in a way, it's a blessing for all of us. Listen to how Paul ended uh, his second letter to the Thessalonians. Paul said, may the peace, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. And in the scripture that Jacob read for us, it echoes this Old Testament relationship relating God's covenant with us to the covenant of marriage. You know, marriage is, once you get married, everything's peaceful, right? <laughs> of course not. And the same is in our relationship with God, but God is in covenant with us. Listen to what uh, Isaiah 54, 10, 10 says, the mountains may shift and the hills may be shaken, but my faithful love won't shift from you. And my covenant of peace won't be shaken, says the Lord, the one who pities you. Now remember, the people in Isaiah are in a world of hurt. <laughs> they've lost their land, they've lost their homes, they've lost their way of life, they're living in captivity, some of them are in slavery. And yet, God is telling them that they will have peace. When we have peace in our life, we can become resilient. Having shalom as a part of our life can help us bounce back when things get a little bit off kilter. You know, one of the things I think we get wrong is that we think to be at peace, we have to be completely free of trouble. And that's just simply not the case. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, when I finish this paper, everything's gonna be better. <laughs> when I finish this project of work, I can rest a little bit. When the baby stops crying, <laughs> then we can have some peace. But we all know that's not how God works. When we work on living in shalom, 
what we are doing is we're having peace in the midst of everyday life, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the craziness of our world. Now, we can't get to shalom, you know, automatically, right? Uh, You know what I like to say, it takes small steps, small changes in our everyday life. Uh, And when we do that, then that will lead to true transformation. So I want to ask three questions this morning. The first one, what do I need to do to make things right? One of the elements of shalom is working on where we have messed up. Uh, Today we observe Holy Communion, and there's a uh, thought about Holy Communion that when we take it, we need to be at peace with each other. That's why we have uh, the the passing of the peace. We want to be at peace, and then we take communion. In uh, the, the Corinthian church, in the Corinthian church, uh, Paul was getting on to them because their minds weren't right when they were taking communion. They were, they were at odds with their fellow church members and this bled over into the Lord's Supper. And so Paul had this to say, anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Paul didn't mince words, you know. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be a part of? Examine your motives. Test your heart. Come to the meal in holy awe. Paul is teaching us to make things right. A lot of times, we're not at peace. We have anxiety and stress because of the conflict that we ourselves are part of creating. You'll be amazed at how peaceful you can feel when you make things right. The the next question is, how can we live in the here and now? You know, one of the things that keeps us uh, from having peace is we're, we're either living in the past or we are living in the future. We rarely live in the here and now. And, and when you think about it, it's the here and now, it's the present moment, is the only thing that, that really matters. Everything else is secondary to that. Uh, one of the great Christian thinkers and scholars of our time is Dallas Willard. He puts it this way, God has yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. And if we faithlessly discard situation after situation, moment after moment, as not being right, we will simply have no place to receive his kingdom into our life. Now, I'm not saying you don't ever think about the past or you don't ever plan for the future, But what I am saying is we don't dwell in those spaces. We don't live in those spaces. We live right where our feet are, in the here and now. Uh, There's a uh, rabbi, her name is Sandy Eisenberg Sasso, and she wrote a book called God's Echo. And she tells a story about uh, being uh, stuck 
in travel. We've never had that experience, have we? And one of the things she said that she had always considered was that airline terminals uh, were the necessary gateways to where she wanted to go. I really resonated with that because how many things do we consider are just gateways or pathways to where we want to be rather than the destinations themselves? She recounted a story that travelers all across our country could recount. Uh, you know the ones, a, a flight's delayed. You have uh, very expensive airport food. <laughs> you uh, get on the plane and it's hot and you sit there for hours and then it's canceled and you deboard and you wait in line to rebook and then you finally get to a hotel and have a couple hours sleep before you get to the airport and do it all over again. One of the things she commented was that she shouldn't be here. That's not where she was supposed to be. And on the next day's flight, she was sitting next to a man who was booked on her original flight as they kind of commiserated about their experience of the day before. He found out that she was a rabbi and he began to ask her questions about faith. And they began to have this transformative conversation. Here's what she said about it. She said, every place contains holy sparks. We just have to turn aside to see them for what they are. No things, not even thorn bushes, are useless unless we treat them as useless. No moments, whether we are tending sheep like Moses or traveling on an airplane, are meaningless unless we squander them. No places, whether Mount Moriah or an airport terminal are insignificant unless we overlook them. The last thing I want you to ask yourself is how can I make time for myself? We can't be at true peace if we do not take care of ourselves. And I, I tell you this, likely if you're not going to take care of yourself, Nobody else is going to do it for you. And don't fall into the trap. It's a feeling like if I don't take care of, if I take care of myself, then I'm being selfish or narcissistic. That's simply not true. There's all kinds of things that we can do to improve our spiritual well-being. It's not a one-fits-all kind of thing, so... You need to find what really centers you, what really connects you, and take time to do it. Uh, one of the things that can be a true uh, energizer is spending time in nature. Did you know that it's been scientifically proven that that reduces stress and anxiety? Uh, studies have shown that exercising outdoors can significantly reduce a person's Stress, And we have some of the best hiking trails right in our backyard. You need to let the people around you know that you need to take a break. Ask them to, to help keep you accountable to spending time alone to recharge and connect with God. And remember, it doesn't have to be big things, small changes over time is what helps us to move forward. I'm, I'm gonna invite the band to come back up as we close our time.
together. Life is hard. Yet, when we have peace in our life, we can become resilient. Our scripture told us today that the mountains may shift, that the hills may be shaken, but my faithful love won't move from you. Do you know that, you know, of course you do, mountains really do shift and hills really do disappear from tectonic plates and erosion, right? And that happens to us in our life on a, on a different level too. Sometimes our world gets shaken. Sometimes we get thrown off our path. Sometimes we feel like everything's being washed away. But the good news is, God will always be there. Uh, I misquoted when I talked to the seniors. Some of you Bible scholars got that when I said Paul said to the Corinthians. Paul said it in Romans. This is what he said. We're going to put it on the screen. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord, not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or anything that's created can separate us from God's love. What marvelous news that we can have the peace of God. Let's pray together. Oh God, as we come to your table, we have failed to be an obedient community of faith. Help us to make things right. Help us to be in your business, the business of making things new. As we come to the table, may we remember you and how you desire for us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.